Voice of the Bombers, one-on-one with Mike O'Shea, the Bombers Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. Mike O'Shea, let's start on this note. This is a text from a guy named David, and the thing that's been most talked about CFL-wise this weekend was the uh, delay and then cancellation of the Saskatchewan-Montreal game. We'll talk about your game with Calgary at length, obviously, because the people will want to ask questions about that. But hey, Bob and Mike, this is from David. I'd like to see the delay given a two-hour cushion instead of one. And hypothetically speaking, what if it's a Grey Cup game with a lightning delay? Is the rule modified in that circumstance? Well, first of all, does the rule apply to a Grey Cup game? No. I mean, I all, think so. all uh, playoff games... I mean, they, they separate. Yeah, I think play. I think playoff games and and Grey Cup would be separate. Obviously, the chance of a lightning storm canceling a, a, a game in November in November is tough. Yeah. Although you do get to see winter lightning out here sometimes <laughs> in the cloud, it's kind of neat. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that would be the case. Uh, I do believe the provision for playoffs or Grey Cup might be you play the next day if it's. It's over a time limit, I think. Which is hard to do in the regular season. I think we all get that. There's no there's no argument there. But the one-hour thing, is, and this is my personal opinion, it bothered me greatly. I didn't know about it until Rod Black said at halftime, you know, oh, by the way, there's a new rule this year, and if uh, an hour from now, if the uh, lightning hasn't cleared, because they've gone past the halfway point of the third quarter, an hour from now, if the lightning hasn't cleared, they're going to declare the game over. And I thought, wait a minute, an hour? You're only going to wait an hour? For such a critical decision, that's what bothered me. Did it bother you? Well, I like watching football too, so yeah, I wanted to see the game. I wanted to see it played. Um, wouldn't you feel cheated if you were on the on the end of that? If you were Montreal, wouldn't you feel cheated of a chance to win that game? Uh, I don't know what I would feel, Bob. Obviously, I would have had prefer to have the game played. I and and I said earlier, I, I believe that everybody in the league wants the game played. Um, within a certain time frame and all the players would too, the fans, but they, you know, we were having, um, obviously a, a decent number of, of delayed games in the last few years that they had to do something about it. They had to make a decision. They really didn't have a policy on it. Mm-hmm. And so when these things come up, these games happen, they realize they got, they got nothing written down and no set standards. So they had to create one. And this is where they ended up this year. Do I think that they might change it? Going forward, they may, they may not, but we've we've all seen, um, you know, good decisions made at the time with the best information they have changed after when they get more information. So that might happen. I would leave it in the hands of the commissioner. I'd simply say it's the commissioner's decision. He has to make a decision. That's what I do. By on a game by game basis. Sure. If there's a lightning delay, then the, it's up to the commissioner to decide based on all the information he has from the weather forecaster yeah. and everybody else. Now we're going to wait another half hour. We hear that it's going to clear. We're going to wait another hour and a half because yeah. we have to get this game in. This game's too important for us to just hand it to somebody. That's me. All right. I'll tell him. Well, <laughs> we'll leave it there. It's not my show. It's the coach's show. Uh, here we go. Most games, another text, most games in the CFL this season seem to be so very close. While this is exciting for fans, it has to be a major challenge for teams. Coach O'Shea, what's your plan to win those close games? What is your plan? <laughs> well, we do have a plan. We talk about it. We talk about winning the close ones and, and can, you know, 
winning the turnover margin uh, is a huge indicator of winning games. So taking care of the football and and when uh, the turnover margin is even, when both teams have the same amount, um, you know, how do you create one, right? So those are things we've talked about and we spent time talking about it in the off season because, um, you know, last year we were 0-3 when we were even in the turnover margin. So those would have been, in my mind, close games and how do you tip them in your favor? So there's lots of things that we've talked about, uh, you know, in the study process of an off season on, on how to win close games and how do you get your time of possession up? How do you maintain control of the ball? How do you make decisions at the end of halves or at the end of quarters in windy games? Um, so all sorts of game management. Uh, here's a question from Ken. Congrats on the win, Coach. I thought the decision to put Streveler in at the end of the game was brilliant. Could you please comment on the quarterback draw late in the game and why it didn't work? I felt that if Matt had waited just a second more, it would have opened up for him. Well, I think... I don't think I know. There was a, there was a miscommunication on that play, and some guys got the call and some guys didn't. So we had... Some guys running one play and some guys running a different play that sounded the same and uh, it didn't work out. If we were all on the same page, I believe whether Matt waited a second or not, he would have walked into the end zone. Doug and I on the broadcast said, well, we love the call. We thought it was a great call at that time, but something, as you just pointed out, went wrong. Something was rotten in the state of Denmark. Yeah. Uh, here's another text. Will Adams and Newfeld be ready for this week's game? We'll see. Always hopeful. They were uh, out and around practice today, moving around, so that's what you like to see. Darvin Adams didn't practice, but he ran hard a lot, sort of on the side. He looked pretty yeah. good running, eh? Oh, yeah, he looked good. Yeah. Yeah, he looked good. So he's a candidate to play this week or no? Well, we got tomorrow, and we got the next day, and then we got the morning of the game, so... You know, like I said, with with guys like Patty and, and Darv, you give them as much time as they possibly need to give you a, a good answer. And um, we're part of that process, obviously, to make sure that um, players aren't making rash, rash decisions because it is a long season. We still have a lot of a lot of season left, so mm -hmm. we've got to make good decisions. The players have to make good decisions, and we have to help them make good decisions. Let's take a phone call before we break. Gail, you're on the Coach's Show with Mike O'Shea. Go ahead, Gail. Good evening, gentlemen. Okay, a um, couple things here. The night of the game, Bob, a guy phoned in and was just like down in the dumps on the fact that, oh, they just kept going to uh, Trevor Harris. And I'm going, um, I Andrew watched Harris. the same game. I mean, uh, yeah, Andrew Harris. Mm. And I watched the same game and I'm going, uh, Otarski, you know, Matthews, they were all in the mix. So I'd like to tell that guy to go rewatch <laughs> the game. Um, question number one, with what happened to BC, um, how are you guys <laughs> going to plan for the fact that they're going to be really hungry on Thursday? And uh, where do you see... Um, I don't know how to put this. I, I just, I'm curious where you see the team going from here because we seem to be struggling a little bit on offense. Not saying that, like, there was a couple of drop balls too, uh, but we're struggling. Like, the last game 
in particular was all special teams and field goals. Yeah, that's all special teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I see us um, improving steadily and 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 moving forward. I see points in that game that we had some opportunities that were missed. I thought that pass to Wally in the end zone was yeah. as close as it gets to being a touchdown. Once again, I, we just talked about the draw that um, there was a, a slight miscommunication on it prevented us from getting the end zone. We have to take a field goal from down in tight. I see a pass to Chris Matthews, a you know a nice deep ball to Chris Matthews that just just gets knocked out of his hands. So, um, you know, I see. I guess I'm the optimist. I see potential in all that. And she asked about BC being hungry. Yeah, the the, <laughs> the the assumption the assumption every week is that every team has the ability to beat you um, if you don't play well. So, if, well, I'm, I'm we, a little bit worried because what happened when when you guys went to Toronto. And yeah, we don't we don't look at their records. We don't, you know, we didn't play very well uh, in, in Toronto, and we lost by a point. And we had uh, a, an unusual high number of mistakes that um, yeah sometimes I, I happen in a season. And you the game off after a while. Yeah, it was it was it wasn't. I don't blame you. It wasn't a very good game to watch. That's for sure. But we. Um, you know, we don't obviously foresee that happening any week, but we will always give full credit to every opponent and assume that if we don't play our best, that there's an opportunity for teams to beat us. So, um, Unfortunately, I haven't been able to watch your games. I had to watch them on PVR because I work a crazy shift. So I'm, I'm fast-forwarding through, you know, the, all the replays and stuff, and when I got to the fourth quarter, I'm going, oh, my Lord. <laughs> Gail, you should listen to them on the radio. It's just like watching them. I can't listen to, I just said, my, with my crazy shifts, <laughs> I'm know. missing the game. I'm just kidding you. Period. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, thanks Gail. Gail. Appreciate Bye. the calls. The Bombers Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. <laughs> uh, excuse me for chuckling, but we get some very interesting texts here, and uh, we use as many as we can. Uh, some of them are X-rated, so you know we just don't put them on the air. And here's one from Michael in San Antonio: Irving makes me happy. O'Shea makes me happy. The Blue Bombers make me happy. Congrats, Coach! Nothing like a win at home against a division rival. Let's do it again this week against the Lions. Michael in San Antonio is happy. That's good. I think you are too. Yeah, that he said. I make them happy. I like that. Evan, you're on the Coach's <laughs> Show with Mike O'Shea. Go ahead, Evan. Good evening, boys. Congrats on the win, Coach. I love seeing the uh, trick plays we've tried in the past on the field. I'm wondering when it's time for a coaching trick play in the sense that we came off a week where uh, Nichols was 19 for 19, and then he had a week that was really, really rough on his numbers, and the offense did not look very good. Is there a chance at which the coaching staff would announce that Strebler's starting the next game and allow the other team to plan for the wrong quarterback? And then Strebler plays a couple of plays, we go back to Nichols, and they don't expect what's happening? Uh, no, you can't really do that. I mean, our practices are basically open except for our last, our day three practice. So the media, everybody wants to report on everything. So, you know... <laughs> It's uh, it's it's being tweeted. Everything we do is being tweeted out. So you know when the guys take reps, um, everybody knows about it. And and there is also um, a standard set by the CFL in terms of your roster, and you're not allowed to uh, you're not allowed to mess around with your rosters and 
and sort of list people starting in, in the wrong order, um, you, you get fined. The club can get fined for that. Okay. Thanks yeah. for the information. Close, I had yeah. no idea. Close to the vest on day three when we're closed, but uh, and you know when I announced the rosters, but you know I think pretty well any practice that we have open is public knowledge around the league. All right. Yep. Thanks for the help. Thanks. Thank you, Evan. Appreciate the call, Rob. You're on the Coach's Show with Mike O'Shea. Go ahead, Rob. Hi. How are you, Bob? Good. I'm calling from Calgary. All right. Well, I I haven't talked to you for a long time since I lived there seven years ago. Yes. Anyway, I want to say something to Mr. O'Shea there. Go ahead. Well, first of all, you were a, a great player in your time. I want to tell you that. Thank you. Secondly, the people that are whining and telling you about what they got to say, I hope they're listening very well, because I'm going to do a little comparison check here, Bob. Uh Nichols is no bow. Let's put it that way. And we have lost him for a while. And you know that, Mr. Ocean. Secondly is uh, you guys have done fairly well considering everything. The game has changed a bit. I mean, because Riley's out in the coast now, uh, the way he's getting hacked up and everything else, what's happened to him, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised when he meets you guys. That, that might be the end of him, sadly, not for him. But on the other hand, uh, things are more balanced now this year than they were before in the West, you know, to this point. Now, uh, I don't know why they're crying about that, because uh, you guys have done fairly well. I mean, if anyone should be crying, it's us. You know, Mitchell's been gone for a while. We're used to watching a quarter and a half and knowing he won the game, every game. And now it's like biting your fingers down to the end, the way it's been for us. You know, our buckle's okay, but I mean, I sure wouldn't ride him on the Grey Cup, and I'm hoping that he's not going to be playing uh, this week against the Els. Hey, Rob, now, is, on the other hand... Is there a question I in there somewhere? For me? Is there no, a question? I just want to say, on the other okay. hand, uh, it'll be a different story, uh, Coach, when you come here to town and when we get in the rematch, because you won't... Yeah, I hope you enjoyed your one win because you won't be getting any more. I can rest assure you that. <laughs> okay. Fair enough, Rob. So you got anything to say, Bob? No, I got nothing to say. You've you've made your, your points and your comments, and uh, there's no question Calgary's a better team when they have Bo Levi Mitchell, although Arbuckle's been very impressive, but I'm not going to argue yeah, with well, you. He's a good guy as far as a second stringer, but uh, maybe for other teams he'd be more helpful. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Take care, guys. Thanks, Rob. Any uh, rebuttal of that, Coach O'Shea? I think I stopped listening a while ago. Uh, here's one from Reuven. Your special teams were worth the price of admission. Your defense played lights out, especially Marcus Sales. I have a question about your offense. Late in the fourth quarter, was the quarterback draw a broken play or a design play? Well, you've spoken to that. Um, if it's the latter, don't you think it's counterintuitive to run that play using Nichols, who is not adept at running, as opposed to Strevler, who makes a living at carrying the ball? Well, you run it. I think counterintuitive is a great word. I think you run it that way because their defense isn't expecting that. Whereas if Strevler's in the game, they are expecting something like that. I would assume they would be. Yeah. We have another question here about Janarian Grant. Jeez, we haven't even talked about him. He was sensational. Somebody asked if he can play receiver. Yeah, he's learning. I mean, it's obviously, um, you know, to 
you take a guy with that kind of skill set and you'd like to see what he can do in another phase of the game. Um, and it's just a matter of, of time till we figure out what, what he knows and doesn't know in terms of the offense. You know, I watch him in the offensive meetings. He's very diligent in taking notes. He's, he's out there running offensive plays and it's just a matter of trying to figure out how do you best utilize him and, and where does he fit? Talk more about him when we come back. Jarian Grant, of course, sensational in the game against Calgary with two kick return touchdowns. The Bombers Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. We'll go straight to the phone lines. Joe, you're on the Coaches Show with Mike O'Shea. Oh. Go ahead. Hey, how are you? Yeah, go ahead. Good. I got to apologize to the coach. I kind of made a comparison about, like, pulling your hands in tight together and comparing it to, like, I don't know, catching a basketball or something similar to that. But what I was saying was kind of, hey, boys, do what you got to do. And kind of um, be coherent. And how do you put it? Like when you're when everything is on the game and everything comes together, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like a natural flow and everything goes and everything's beautiful and it. Wow, and you come around, you reach around, and your arm comes up, in, around, and bang. Or you step in under a guy, or you go in over a guy, and it all falls together beautiful. And I watched the game, that was two years ago, and I was just like, what the heck is going on here? And I came in, I said something stupid, and I apologize for it. I'm sorry, Coach. No problem. Yeah, but you know what? The boys have it together now. And hold it together, and it's like um, bing, bing, and you just kind of, I don't know how to say it. It's like, um, you know, you got six doctors around the table, and they're doing like uh, a crazy surgery or an operation. Everybody's got to work together. That's what I see is happening now, and we're going to survive this. We're going to come out on top. Appreciate it. Hey, God bless. All right, Joe, thank you for the thank, call. Thanks a lot, Joe. So tell us about Janarian Grant, Mike. Uh, uh, how long you guys have had your eye on him, how he wound up coming here. Uh, uh, give us that story. I don't know if I actually know that whole story. Well, what you know of it. Well, our, you know, I, Ted, Danny, Ryan, these guys work hard. Uh, while we're in training camp, uh, they come in for a couple weeks and they – you know, watch our training camp, and then all of a sudden one of them will be gone. At night, they'll notice one's gone. Well, they'll head off to a, a CFL uh, preseason game, and they'll scout that game. So we basically, they basically check out all the players uh, um, on all the other teams during the preseason. And when guys, you know, if they, they, if they take note of a guy in particular and they get released, then they're on this list we have of guys that they really liked. And Grant was in Hamilton, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I think he would have been on our radar when he was with, uh, when he was down in the NFL. Mm. Um, so obviously uh, it's worked out well for him. He is, he was an accomplished returner at, at Rutgers and, and, uh, <laughs> through one game, he's done quite well for himself. Through one game. We have to keep that in mind, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, um, teams will know who he is now and they, they, mm. it, it might, you know, peak their awareness of him. 
but that doesn't take away the fact that he's very talented. He's fast. He's tough. He's he seems to have great courage. So um, I expect him to be uh, highly effective. And in some games, maybe not. <laughs> but there's you know eleven other guys around him that are that are will work hard to make sure he is effective. He had eight kick return touchdowns at Rutgers. I asked him about it before the game last week. I said, "Tell me about your, you know, your skills." He said, "Well, I can make." people missing a phone booth. And I, I hadn't heard anybody say that for quite a while. And I thought, all right, that's a great line. I love that line. I thought, well, if you can make people miss at a phone booth, you're pretty good. Uh, I think people used to say that about pinball. So yeah, pretty interesting. Well, if you can make them miss in a phone booth, you got something going for you. Uh, text, big win against Calgary. I'm glad you were more aggressive. He's talking about the 55-yard field goal, third and two gamble. And playing Streveler with Harris at the end. we And then he says, we ran hurry-up offense successfully a lot last year and hardly at all this year. This is Jason and Drumheller wondering why uh, he doesn't think you're hurrying up as much as you did last year. Is that true? Well, you know, every game is different. And, and you know, when you go through an offseason and you make plans, sometimes they they come to fruition because that's what you need, and sometimes they don't. I think... I think we do a pretty good job um, in all three phases of trying to figure out what we need to do to win uh, each and every week, and and it should be different. Um, how we win or what we talk about is relatively constant, but the you know the the planning um, can bring out a different result. You know, when you play a team like Calgary and they haven't given up really any explosive plays all year long, which was an amazing stat line they had going into the Edmonton game. Um, Edmonton managed to get a couple deep ones on them, but uh, you realize they're not going to give that to you. So you got to you got to adapt and figure out your play calling and and your defense and your special teams to do things differently to allow you to win against a very good team that's been, you know, stat wise very interesting. Let's go back to the phone lines. Wayne, you're on the Coach's Show with Mike O'Shea. Go ahead, Wayne. Uh, hello, Mike. Uh, just a question. I don't know if you read my text earlier, but. The question is, why don't we ever see any play action faking it to Harris up the middle and then throwing downfield? Uh, we do. We didn't see any in the last game. The only play action we really saw was the read option that the quarterback uh, uh, is going to hand off a run, and of course nobody believes that Nichols is going to run, so that doesn't fool anybody. So it seems like that plus uh, checking down uh, like play action as if you're going to uh, fake throwing short and then throwing long. We we really see very little the last game. Yeah. Um, the terminology is interesting. Uh, and and then also sometimes uh, if you're playing a team that's very disciplined and they're, and they're underneath players, their linebackers don't um, feel hard on the run, then play action might not be part of the plan. Um, you know, if they're, if they remain at their depth and are very disciplined with their eyes, you might not get them to bite, but um, we have uh, run action, play action, RPO, Sally. You know, we have those types of plays in every week. You know, and how they get called is a, is another matter based on how the team's playing you. So, in those checkdown passes that we saw over and over again, what percentage of those were actually called, or were they due to a re- receiver not getting open, or the quarterback not seeing an open receiver? Well, the, the a highly coordinated offense always has a checkdown available to the quarterback. If you didn't, you'd be getting sacked way more than than we are, or or 
be throwing the ball away a lot more or throwing interceptions uh, a lot more. So once again, uh, it, you know, if your your offense has to be each play has to be coordinated down to the third or fourth read so that there's always options. So, you know, you look at the teams with that high completion percentage, it's not all deep balls. There's lots of checkdowns, but they're part of the play and they give you a completion when the couple completions you want further downfield aren't available. So I, I don't look at it as a bad thing. I look at it as being extremely, uh, extremely coordinated and well done. Yeah, Wayne. Thank you. Okay, thanks for the call. Does Calgary force you to check down more than a lot of teams? As I said, they hadn't given up a 30-yard pass or a 20-yard run up until the game before ours. And that's what uh, they would have been five or six games in before mm -hmm. they gave up a 30-yard pass or a 20-yard run. That's incredible. But they were just extremely disciplined. Um, they They... Really didn't want to play in man coverage. They wanted to play all zone, which they that means they always have um, multiple players with eyes to the, where the football's going. It means they always have multiple players pursuing to the ball, multiple players tackling the ball carrier at all times, and they're strong tacklers. You very rarely do you get a one-on-one -on -one tackle situation. You get they get masses to the ball um, because of the, the style of defense they're playing, and and they are very disciplined, well coached, and they. They believe in what they're doing, so um, just one more. They are a tough defense. One more word on Calgary. They got two guys on that defense: Jamar Wall, who's playing linebacker now, and Brandon Smith, who's played twelve years at hat defensive halfback. To me, they're two of the headiest. Corey play. Greenwood, too. Corey Greenwood. Well, and Greenwood yeah. too, yeah. But uh, Smith and uh, Wall have been there for a long time. But Greenwood is, yeah, he's having a heck of a year for a guy who's been plagued by injuries in recent years, but they're smart players, right? They're, you, know, they, you don't fool them, and they let everybody around them know what's going on. What great leaders they are back there. Every coach loves smart. Yeah. Can't go wrong with smart. Can't go wrong with smart. Text question. I'm a big fan of the unsung heroes that we don't often talk about. I think Jake Thomas had a real strong outing against the Stampeders last week. What does coach think a player like Jake brings to the team that the average fan doesn't get to see? I tell you what Jake brings. He brings everything he's got every single game. He is um, just the ultimate teammate and a guy that every team needs and wants. He really is. Um, you don't even, you can't really fathom a guy his size that gets that much push. He is so strong um, and so determined. Uh, he just makes a mess in there, and and we love him, so... We're very fortunate to have him. Here's a question for the coach. I love this one, by the way. I used to dread when our Bombers played against you, and this texter is saying against you, meaning Mike O'Shea, you were a beast out there. I've noticed that you're always very calm and very poised during the game. Are you different behind closed doors? Do you ever rip into the team at halftime? Well, that's behind closed doors. So I'm not going to say. And no one knows what goes on behind closed <laughs> doors. Charlie Rich, okay. Uh, yeah. I I think my family might differ with this comment. <laughs> but you are, look, you are very calm during the game on the sidelines. I can tell you that. I try to be. Yeah. I try to be. You think that's important? Um, I don't think, well, I, I don't think it's difficult to remain calm because I know that all our guys are trying to do the right things. I know that they're trying to make plays and and 
make tackles and be in the right spot and and be their best. They don't want to go out there and not be their best. So if you go in with that starting point is that all the players want to be their best, then what are you going to be mad about? Mm -hmm. So a play doesn't work. It doesn't work, you know. When you see a player make a mistake that infuriates you, and you do periodically, I'm sure, do you have to suppress the urge to go over there and give them a piece of your mind? Well, a mistake, like a drop football or a missed tackle. No, I'm not talking no. about that. A dumb penalty, a roughing uh, yeah, call or something like that. Yeah, I, I don't like uh, when ego comes into play, when they put their ego, when a player puts their ego in front of their teammates' success, um, they're likely going to hear it. But never in public, you know. Not doesn't the, not on the sideline. Not, if you, not if you really can help on this. If not really on the sideline, no. The Bombers Coaches Show on six eighty CJOB. All right, here we go. The last uh, five or six minutes of the Coaches Show with Mike O'Shea, uh, Coach Mike. Why don't we ever try for the two points after a touchdown, like the Tiger Cats try most times? That's just a philosophical thing, Mike. Well, we got. Justin Medlock, he's 100%. Um, you know, when you do the analysis of the two-point converts, you know, it sort of works itself out. And I'll do it again this year at the end of this year and see if we change our minds, but it sort of works out that some team might be plus four at the end of the year if their field goal kicker is missing converts and they're making some two points and they're failing on some two points, plus four, plus that, whatever it's going to be. And then you really got to look at whether those points are winning you games or not. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing. Are, is that helping you win or is it just... You're going for two, and you get it or you don't. Who knows? Here's one from Adam, and we had an earlier text, too, along these lines. When are we going to get Drew, meaning Drew Walatarski, the ball more? He's a great receiver, but uh, being used not nearly enough. Well, we game plans are different, and defenses play you different on a weekly basis. So um, we try to – I know Lapo does a good job of trying to get everybody the ball. Uh, Coach O'Shea and Bob. Bob, you really should cut off fans of other teams. This show is for Bomber fans (laughs) and the Winnipeg team. All right, I'll take that under advisement. I think Frank sent that in. Well, that guy from Calgary, that was pretty entertaining stuff. I like that. Did you? You didn't like it, Mike? No. (laughs) I'm with Frank. I thought it was funny. (laughs) With all the kick returns for touchdowns by all teams this year, is there more time spent on the return game and not enough on defending the return or... More players specializing in the return game. I just think there's a whole pile of good returners and there's there's very good special teamers that don't ever get any recognition because they're not a returner. They're just a, a blocker or a tackler. And so they don't they don't get the same recognition, obviously. But there's I think teams have a good number of these guys playing that work extremely hard and it's a it's a battle but the, these returners are this crop of returners are, are really good this year you know one of the most emotional moments in that game against calgary was when nick hallett got pushed into terry williams and then forced to fumble and recovered the fumble boy the players on your sideline went crazy over that one they, they love hallett don't they uh yeah yeah there's there's a whole bunch of guys that they you know when these when these guys that just grind it out every week on special teams and um, when they get to make big plays or when they, you know, do something great like that, the, the boys go nuts. So it's Nick Hallett, Kerfal Exume, Mike Miller. You know, it's there's a bunch of these guys that just the team rallies behind 
they're very likable guys. Boy, they, these that group is is such a good group, fun to be around. Exume made an interception at practice today that brought some cheers from a lot of the other players. They were they were celebrating. Oh, it was a heck of an interception. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Got it between his knees after yeah. touching it three times. <laughs> Uh, the win against the Stampeders has wiped out the bad feeling with the loss to the Argos. Congratulations, Mike. I think that the interception at the end of the second quarter, the one by Marcus Sales, was just as important as the one at the end of the game because that could have changed the outcome with Calgary having the lead going at a halftime. Do you agree with that comment? Completely. Yeah, both were very important. The one at the end took points off. So ending ending both halves with interceptions, with takeaways, is uh, is a fantastic way to do it. Here's another guy saying, I bet that if Montreal was ahead seven points when the game was called, you would have been excited about the new rule. I think he's addressing that to me because I think the rule stinks. Uh, no, I wouldn't have been. I just don't like it. I think it's not the right way to do it. So it had nothing to do with Saskatchewan being ahead. Uh, Mike, congratulations on the win. My question is, why does Andrew Harris get the ball two to three or 23 or more, two-thirds or more of the game. You have talented receivers, however, they rarely see the ball. The media made a big deal about signing Chris Matthews. Last year, the coach said it depends who we are playing. Although Andrew's an amazing player, what happens if he gets hurt? Then what does your offense look like? Well, I mean, that's why we're excited about our depth. I'm sure we'll we'll figure that out if something ever were to come up like that. So uh, with regards to the receiving or Andrew touching the ball, you know, you look at you look at Andrew with his his rushing yards versus Calgary and catching eight passes. That's what they gave us. Like I said, they drop deep and they they play a lot of zone and it forces the check down sometimes. And I thought he did a great job with the ball in his hands, getting first downs. So each game's different, and you need to plan and figure out how you're going to win each game. And sometimes that's a lot of touches. Sometimes that's that's not a lot for Andrew. But um, yeah, everybody's. Everybody's vying for the football, and like once again, Lapo does a great job of making sure everybody gets their touches. You don't worry about his workload? Uh, no. Uh, here's a just a thought for you, Coach O'Shea, with a minute left in the show. The BC Lions are here on Thursday. In their loss to Hamilton, they had 420 yards of offense. They had 30 first downs. It's a pretty good defense. They had the ball for 37 minutes. They found a way to lose the game. I guess the point I'm making is... It looks to me, based on that game, that Mike Riley and that offense have kind of figured things out. Yeah, they they showed a great commitment to running the ball with uh, John White, and he he looks like he's returned to close to that form he had when he first broke in the league, and he mm-hmm. was very dangerous, quick, fast, tough. Um, Brian Burnham had a had a hell of a game, also. So I think um, their offense has started to click. They made a couple changes on the offensive line. Once again, their commitment to running, and then. Um, obviously Riley being more upright and being able to find his receivers. Uh, yes, their their offense looked looked high powered. So once again, we got our work cut out for us, and and our assumption is always that we're going to get the best from the other team. And if we don't play our best, then sometimes you know things don't work out. So we got to play our best. BC Lions are here Thursday, and we'll be back next Monday with another edition of the Coach Show with Michael Shea on 680 CJOB.